Welcome to Central Christian Church Online. My name is Michael, and I'm the Youth and Community Engagement Director here. And I love Christmas. I love Christmas for many reasons, and probably some of the same reasons as you is I get presents from my mom and dad. They go all out. Um, there's meals. We get to eat tons of food. And honestly, the real reason I love it is because it reminds me of the faithfulness of Jesus. And I hope um, today that it does the same for you. I thought I'd start off by first uh, poking at life a little bit. I know sometimes we can take it very seriously, and we should, but honestly, there should be joy in the midst of it. So I wanted to talk a about a, a few things that we do as humans that are kind of awkward and funny to me. Um, we park in the driveway, but we drive in the parkway. I don't understand that. Um, we call boxing rings boxing rings, but they're actually squared. We have runny noses and smelly feet. Kind of a weird thing. And the real question that I have for you guys is, why do we call it babysitting when all we do is chase those kids around the whole time? Now, there's a couple quotes that I want to uh, point us to that I think are pretty funny. Uh, the first one is by Bob Hope, and it says, A bank is a place that will lend you money if you can prove that you don't need it. Now, isn't that a funny statement? Well, we as humans aren't always the smartest of people, and sometimes we got to understand that. And I, that's why I love this next quote. It says, the surest sign that intelligent life exists elsewhere in the universe is that it has never tried to contact us. Someone out there has got it right. But I know I'm making fun of life a little bit, but um, my life has actually been pretty awesome, I would say. I've had the privilege of serving Jesus for the last 11 years, um, going on to 11 years, um, actually during New Year. And over the last couple years, I've been able to do so many things that I never thought I would be able to do. I've got to travel all across the U.S. and see um, hundreds and even thousands of high school-aged students, middle-aged students, um, and even college students come to receive Jesus into their life. And honestly, it's been awesome, but even in the midst of all of what would be seeming really awesome, I've had my fair share of heartache. I've had my fair share of pain, I've had my share of suffering, and I've even lost people that I've loved, and I've even had moments where unbelief has cre creeped into my life. And honestly, sometimes when those things have happened, it could honestly seem like a major setback. And, and for some reason, when, when you think of all things supposed to be good, I'm following Jesus, um, when things bad happen, uh, life seems like a major setback sometimes. And I know we're kind of all in a season where maybe we didn't expect to be. There's a funny quote that I heard, and it says that in 2015, when everybody was asked where they would like to be in five years or, or what their five-year plan would be, is they actually all got it wrong. And I think that's funny because what the reality is, is we don't always have all the answers. We don't always know what's going to happen. We can have our minds made up, but sometimes things could seem like a major setback. And what I want to say is that we're not the only ones who experience that. I think of way back when, even at the first Christmas, um, I want to talk about, a Mar about Mary and Joseph and their life and, and maybe what they thought they were going to have. Well, lo and lo behold, um, they're told that they're going to have a baby when they never consummated their marriage yet. They're just trying to figure life out, trying to see where things are going to go. Maybe they have all these cool plans and, and all of a sudden an angel appears and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to produce the Savior of the world. You guys are going to raise the Savior of the world, and his name is going to be Jesus. And even being Joseph in that moment of knowing that um, 
you actually maybe planned on having a child by the way that you're supposed to normally have a child. And all of a sudden, in a dream, you're told that, that, that you should just believe in faith and, and go after this and, and believe this to be true and to, to, to treat this woman correctly, to walk with her in life. And all of a sudden, life may not have seemed what it was actually you thought it was going to seem. And so I want to read about the story of Mary and Joseph. It's a, it's a quick one, but it's in Luke 2, 1 through 7. It says, here in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And before we go into kind of the main teaching, the main things that I want to say, I want to point out that the reason the census was taken it happened every 14 years, and a lot of times uh, it was for two reasons, but the main reason was for taxation purposes. And so you may have think like, oh, what a wonderful time, right? I just have found out that I'm going to have the Savior of the world, and I now have to travel to Bethlehem. And it wasn't exactly like they could just hop in an Uber or, or any of those kinds of things and get somewhere quickly. But she's having a baby, maybe at times walking, maybe riding a donkey, whatever it might be back then. And you're on your way to a far travel. And it, maybe it's not quite how you pictured this would be. But in that moment, what is happening is that God is actually fulfilling a prophecy that was spoken. That the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so in that moment, God moved the heart of the most powerful man to fulfill a promise. And so imagine being Mary and Joseph. Um, in the middle of nowhere, you find out you're going to have a child, and all people are probably saying things against you. You can imagine the, the, the words being whispered into Joseph's ear. Man, that's never happened before. She's lying to you, man. There's no way that this is possible. And maybe a little bit of unbelief and, and, and hindrance in his heart starts to occur because of all the things that her people are saying. But in a dream, he's gets confirmed that this is true. Or maybe being Mary, a, a young girl who, who even at the point when the angel appears to her, she says, how is this possible? I'm still a virgin. And by the way of the Holy Spirit, she's able to conceive the Savior of the world. Well, there has to be people probably saying things against her like, hey, that's not possible. You're wrong. You did something wrong. You're absolutely not faithful to your husband. There's no way that this is possible. And all these accusations, all the plans that they might have had, maybe uh, to go on the dream honeymoon, maybe to go on a vacation, maybe to, to have their life together before they actually have a child. And think of those realities. And all of a sudden, life can seem like a major setback. Well, I want to talk about the, the things that I really feel that Mary and Joseph found in that moment. And the first thing that I say about Mary and Joseph is that maybe they did not understand. And though that they did not understand, they remained faithful. And the same goes for us. As though we do not always understand the circumstances or the things that are going on, COVID, our finances, whatever it is, you put yourself in the story, the thing that you're dealing with right now. 
You may not understand it, but you ought to remain faithful. And when I think of faithful, I think of the root word, and that is faith. And what faith says, it's this. It says, God can, God will, and God does. And I know that that's a hard thing to believe, but it's something that we have to hold on to. And right now, in the midst of those moments, our biggest enemy has to be unbelief. And what unbelief wants to do, it wants to come in and it wants to steal your lunch money. It wants to steal your joy. It wants to steal everything you have. And and what it really is saying is that God can't, God won't, and God doesn't. But I have have to encourage you in this moment to remain faithful. Because I promise you, Jesus has something in store for your life. And the Bible is very clear. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for. And assurance about we do not see. And I believe this because in Hebrews 11:1 1, it says that, and I know this might be the hardest thing to do. Holding on to uncertainty is not always the best thing for us. We, we are people who run off of emotion. We're people who, who have to, to know what's happening next. But I have to believe that Mary and Joseph weren't sure. To ask the question, um, how is this possible? I'm still a virgin. There has to be some uncertainty in your mind. And it's not necessarily that she doesn't think it can be done, but it's never been seen. But what I like to think that Mary and Joseph held on to in this moment was what if? What if this is the Savior? What if, uh, what if he could change the world? What if he could alter the course of history? What if God did something wild and we were the ones who were going to be used to raise this man? What if? And I love that, that, that kind of reality because remaining faithful might seem like a hard thing to do. But what I think of when I think of Mary and Joseph, I think of how they had each other. They encouraged each other. They challenged each other. They loved each other. Despite what everyone was saying, all the unbelief that was coming against them in the town, whatever it might be, when they looked crazy, they did those things. They encouraged, they challenged, they uplifted one another. So we as a people group must draw near to our community, which brings me to my next point. You see, this is right now the time where we need each other more than ever. You might find yourself kind of isolated, alone, and feeling discouraged, but that's because you don't have people pushing you. See, Mary and Joseph, they, they sat on the fact that God spoke to them, that they would conceive the, the child that would be the one who would save us from our sins, the one who would ultimately set us free from all the things that we're bound by. And they looked at each other, they locked arms, they locked hands, and what they said was, man, if we only have each other and we have God and Jesus, then that is enough. And I believe the same is for you. Maybe you're sitting alone while I encourage you right now to draw near to the church. Us here at Central, man, we would love to partner with you and pray for your breakthrough. We'd love to guide you. If you have questions, we want to challenge you. We want to push you closer to Jesus, and we want you to be a part of this family. So we want you right now to engage with us more than ever. I encourage you to join us weekly um, here online where you're being challenged, where you're, you're being fed, whether it's in person or not, right here is a chance for you to, to come and be a part of a church family. Right inside the comments, do whatever you have to do. Email us, just be encouraged. I love what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. 
But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So church, I encourage you, whether you are currently plugged in or not, I would encourage you to get plugged in and draw near to family, draw near to community, draw near to Central Christian Church. Come be a part of the family. Ask us questions. I encourage you to do that. The next thing I see Mary and Joseph do is something that may seem a little difficult at times, but it is trust in God. And I believe that we also need to do that. Now, trust to me is this. It's giving up our independence and becoming fully dependent on God. Trust says, regardless of what happens, I lean not on my own understanding. It says, God, that you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. It gives him our hearts. It gives him our worries. It gives us um, all anxiety. Anything that would come against us, it gives it to God and says, I give you all of me. I trust in your name. I trust in your plan. And because of that, man, I am going to serve you as wildly as I can. And I love what Proverbs says in uh, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And the reason I think that it says that is because of this. It frees us from our potential to get it wrong. It says God's ways are higher. And as humans, honestly, most of the time we run off of emotion. When someone cuts us off, we act accordingly. And it's not always accordingly. When, when things happen, we respond because we think it's the right way to do things. And, and we don't always see God in the midst of it. We, we don't know where he's standing. And, and we'll do things that aren't biblical. We'll, we'll step away from it for a moment. And we make decisions that all, aren't always the most fruitful. We make decisions on emotion. And so we must trust that the Lord has the right plan. And we must be challenged by biblical ways, biblical understanding. And what I love about Mary's heart in the midst of all of this, when the angel appears to her, she says something crazy. And you can find it in, in Luke 1.38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And I, I have to understand, going back to that moment of uncertainty, that though she maybe wasn't sure of what was going to come, what was going to happen, or, or who, or what and when, all the things that could come against her life in that moment, she said, may your word be fulfilled. And in a simple term, what she did is she gave God a chance. And I think that's something we ought to do. We ought to give God a chance. Both Mary and Joseph's life came from a place of honor. It came from a place of devotion. And perhaps in that moment where they may have felt that things were uncertain or this may have seemed like a major setback, but they remembered the moments that God came through. I wonder if they went back to moments in Scripture where, where the Lord showed up in the midst of promises and things that he spoke over people's lives. I wonder if he remembered the moment um, where Noah was called crazy for building a boat when they had never seen rain for years. And despite that, Noah, he, he continued to do this. He, he hammered away at it, and they remembered when God came through for Noah. Or maybe they remembered when God came through for Abraham, when he was called to sacrifice his son, to go up to this, this mountaintop and, and do this crazy thing, and the Lord provides a sacrifice. I wonder if they remembered in that moment that God came through. I wonder if they remembered when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were headed to a fiery furnace because they were only going to serve the one true God. And in the midst of that, God protected them. He kept them safe. He kept them out of harm. And I wonder if Mary and Joseph remembered that moment that God came through. 
And perhaps you ought to give God a chance. Despite your finances, despite what's going on in your health, what's going on at home, or what's going on at work, I wonder if you have to go back to that moment where God came through for you. Surely there's people on here who've experienced his goodness before. And if you have, at least once, I encourage you to go back to the moment where God first met you. Where you first understood the reality of who he was. Where you first understood his goodness. And maybe you've never met Jesus. Maybe this is your first time here and you're you're checking out church online. Well, maybe it's time for you to give him a chance. Maybe everything that you've tried before hasn't worked. Maybe you tried Googling the right thing to do. Maybe you tried going to people who don't know all the answers. Maybe you tried figuring it out on your own. Well, maybe now it's time to give God a chance. And there's one thing that I want to say through it all. And it's the thing that kept me going. It's that God always keeps his promises. And I love what the Bible says in, in Hebrew 10.23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we professed. For he who promised is faithful. And when I think of that verse, I think of all the ways that God came through for me. See, when I got saved 11 years ago, the Lord made a promise to me. He said, Michael, you would have influence in San Jose. He said, and results of that, the tech industry would change. Results of that, all of California would be changed. And results of that, the nation would be changed. And now I don't know that I'll ever see all that in my life. But I know God spoke it to me. And it was shortly after he spoke those things to me that he took me to New York City to do an internship. And shortly after that, he had me go to college, and um, it was really just to honor my parents. They wanted me to go do that. It wasn't something I really ever intended to do. And shortly after that, he called me to join a YWAM missions team that traveled all across the nation. And how, how many of you know that none of those places are actually San Jose? When you're doing ministry in, in Florida, it's not having much influence in San Jose. When you're, when you're doing an internship in New York, it's not much influence in San Jose. When you're off to college, it's not much influence in what God has spoken. Well, over the last few years, the Lord started speaking things into my life when I was with this missions, missions team. The Lord reminded me of promises that he gave me. And so I made the decision last November that I was actually going to be moving back to the Bay Area um, the following August. And so I come back home and I actually haven't really processed any of this with my family. And I'm sitting at a kitchen table with my family. And my mom and dad say, Michael, we're, we're actually planning on moving. We found a house. We're going to put in an offer. Uh, shortly after that, they got the offer. And it was in that moment that I kind of thought of the reality of like God was calling me home, but he was actually making my parents sell my home. After traveling so many years, um, going to and from different state, going back to Huntington Beach, none of those places ever felt like home. So when I came to San Jose to visit my family, that was the one place that I knew was home. It's the places that the good things and the bad things happened in my life. It's where I, I met God. It's where I got baptized. It's where um, my, my friend passed away. I found out that he passed away in that house. My grandfather passed away. Every good and bad thing that ever happened in my life actually happened at that house. So for me to go home brought back those memories. And when my parents told me that they were selling the house, I figured all those memories were gone. 
In the midst of that, I had to kind of think of the positive side of things is that um, there really didn't feel like much. But in that time, we had a, a Rottweiler. His name was Hans. And Hans was like my best friend. Uh, over the summers, when he was a little puppy, I got to spend a ton of time with him. And he was really like the, the one thing that I loved coming home to. He would always run after me and he would always come up to me wagging the little nub of a tail that he had. And he, it was awesome. I loved that dog. And so I was like, man, the reality of moving to Gilroy, we're going to have a little bit more land, a, a, a bigger property, and the dog's going to be able to run around. It's going to be awesome. He's gonna, he, if dogs can have joy, he's going to have it. And so when it came time to move to Gilroy, I, I asked my mom, I said, Mom, could I drive Hans to the new house? And she said, yeah, go for it. So I, I drive him to the new house, and he gets out. He's running around, and man, I tell you, that dog was going crazy. It's like he never saw land before. It's like he may, might have been caged his whole life, which he wasn't. Uh, but he was running around, and uh, little by little, he started to look a little bit sluggish. And so he started like kind of like dry heaving, like something was wrong. And he did that sometimes when he would just eat too much grass. And so over the day, he, he just seemed to look worse and worse. I remember going to sleep that night and, and getting a knock on my, on, on my door. And my mom, she comes in my room and she says, Michael, um, Hans is gone. And I looked at her because I was like, just, I just woke up. It was like two in the morning or something like that. And I looked at her and I said, what? And she said, Hans died. And I began to get obviously kind of emotional. I'm a dog guy. I know maybe some people think it's silly to, to be that attached to an animal. But um, I start really thinking of this reality that God just called me home. He took, in a way, I felt like he took away my home. And now my dog is gone. The one thing that I was excited about. And so the day goes by and I'm just emotional the whole day. And I walk up to my mom and I say, Mom, is it okay if I take the car for a ride? I got some dealing with God to do. And I take off and I pull off on the side of some small road in Gilroy. There's just dirt. It's not really even a road. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at God. I said, God, you told me that I was supposed to come back home. And I'm not even living in the house that, you, that I grew up in. And where all my memories are, this is what I thought was going to happen. And, and now you, my dog is gone. I just don't see the good in this. I don't see how this could be the best decision. I, I felt like I was supposed to be back here, but all of a sudden these things are, are missing and I just don't see the good in it. And in a moment, the Lord, I felt like he spoke to me. He said, Michael, remember when you got baptized, I was there. Remember the moment your grandfather passed away, I was right there with you. Remember the moment that your friend passed away, I was there with you. Remember the moment you got saved, I was right there with you. Remember this, remember that. And he starts speaking of all these moments that he came through for me in my life. And I, I'm looking at him and, and I, I start expressing this, this statement saying, God, you're good. And I didn't really believe it as I was saying it in this moment because everything seemed like a setback. And so I just keep saying, God, you're good, God, you're good, God, you're good, until I believe it. And I want to pause this story for a moment. And I want to take you to, to something that I felt and something that I, I felt in that moment that God, he taught me. He taught me that the love of God always chases us. And in a moment, that's a, right now, this is a fun promise to hold on to. And I think it's the best thing we can do. When God seems far, 
He's always chasing us. When it becomes too hard to bear, he's still chasing us. And I love what the Bible says in Luke 15. I'm going to read this to you. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And I know this verse always is talking and pointing to moments of salvation and God chasing after us. But I love the picture that it paints because it's it's showing that no matter where we go, how far we could run away, God's love is so reckless that he'll always chase after us. And this, this verse actually inspired a song by a man by the name of Corey Asbury. There's a song called Reckless Love. And he, he actually has this little caption that he, he stops in the middle of, of one of his live sessions and he, he says why he wrote this song. And so I'm going to read that because honestly it, it really brings just joy to my heart knowing this is how the love of God chases us. It says that the term reckless love of God, it's he himself is not crazy, but the way he loves in many regards is quite so. He's utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. All things considered, it's quite childlike. Might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you and for me. His love does not consider himself first. It isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he will gain or lose by putting himself on the line. He simply puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back and give him that love in return. His love leaves the 99 to find the one every time. And to many practical adults, that's a foolish concept. But what if he loses the 99 to find the one? What if? Finding the one lost sheep is always and will supremely be important. His love isn't cautious. It's the love that sent his one and only son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There's no plan B with the love of God. He gives his heart so completely and so preposterously that if we refused it, we would think that we broke it. Yet he gives his love away again and again and again and time and time again. And make no mistake, our sins do pain his heart. And 70 times 7 is a lot of times to get your heart broken. And he opens up and allows us back in every single time. His, His love saw you when you hated him and all logic said they would reject me. He said, no, I don't care what it cost me. I lay my life down on the line as long as I get their heart. And to make it personal, he saw me. His love saw me, a broken down kid with regret as deep as the ocean. My innocence in youth poured out like water and he found me and he put me on his shoulders and he carried me home because he's just that good. He's just that kind. He's a father that never gives up. And I love that story because in the midst of chaos, in the midst of what might be the most confusing moments, I like to think that Mary and Joseph clinged on to this very idea that God was still there. 
That God uh, was always in the midst of what was going on. That though uh, they may not understand, they remained faithful. And they trusted in God. They drew near to community with each other. And they gave God a chance. And they did all those things. And that same thing had to happen in my own life. As I'm sitting in a car saying, God, you're good. The next month goes by and um, I felt like I was to call my sister and ask her if I could borrow her car. Um, her car was a little bit bigger than mine, so all my stuff could fit in there. And when um, I call her, I just say, hey, can I borrow this car? I I'm, I'm coming back home. And in this time, I kind of had no idea what I was going to be doing, honestly. I applied to some jobs and um, things that maybe sounded like what God would want me to do. Things that I had hope for in being home in San Jose. But honestly, I had nothing planned. I had no idea what God was going to do. I did not understand why I was coming back home. But in that time, I had to remain faithful. And so I applied to some jobs and uh, the time goes by and it's, it's the day before I'm actually going to drive and, and, and switch my sister cars over the weekend and go back to Huntington so I could pack all my stuff and come home at the end of August. And I get an email from somebody that you guys might know. He goes by the name of Tim Perkins. And Tim just asked me if I could jump on a call with him the next day. And, and I, uh, basically I did that and I got to share my story with him. And I started telling him the things that I felt God was calling me to in this season. And, and why I felt like I was supposed to be back in San Jose. And, and that I was actually coming regardless of what happened. And regardless of who hired me. These are the things that I felt God would, would do in my life. And in that time, man, I just had to have faith that God was going to do it. I had to give God a chance. He said, Michael, you're going back home, so I give him a chance. And in that time, a, a couple months go by, and uh, there's a bunch of interviews within the midst of all, all this that's going on. And one day I receive an offer to become the new Youth and Community Engagement Director here at Central Christian Church. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that this moment is the fulfillment to, to what God's spoken on my life. And honestly, if I'm being real, I'm scared because God could do so much more from now into the rest of my life. But I have to remain faithful. I don't always understand. But what I do know is that he always keeps his promise. Every time he spoke something in my life, it's happened. Every time he spoke to Noah, it happened. Every time he spoke to Mary and Joseph, it happened. And I have to believe the same for you. And I encourage you in this moment to go back to that time that maybe God promised something to you. And surely there's things that he's spoken over your life and maybe you haven't seen those things, but I encourage you to remain faithful. I encourage you to trust in God. I encourage you to give the man a chance. I encourage you to, to draw near community. I, I encourage you to step into faith and believe that his promises are always true. His promises are always fulfilled. And maybe you've never experienced God. Maybe this is your first time. And, and I want to give you a chance to receive him into your life. I want to give you a chance to make him the Lord of your life. If you're saying, hey, I can't do this all alone. I'm tired of being Miss Independent, Mr. Independent. I want to give my dependence to God. Then this is for you. If you're saying, hey, I, I don't know if I, I don't like having unbelief in my life. I want to be faithful to Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. I want to go after his heart. I want to be loved by, by the Savior of the world. Then this is for you. And if that's you, if, if you're saying, hey, I want to receive God into my life, I would encourage you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to repeat after me. 
I want you to say, dear Jesus, I need you. I can't do this alone. I want you in my life. I don't want independence anymore. I want to be dependent on you, dependent on your word, dependent on your dreams, dependent on your promises. God, I ask for forgiveness for the ways that I've betrayed you, the ways that I've rejected you. I receive your forgiveness. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I recognize that, that there's no greater way to serve than to serve you. God, I love you. I need you. And I can't live without you. Amen. Well, hey, I know um, this is a lot to take in, but I want to, to end it with saying that, that God's promises always come true. His, his promises are always fulfilled. And all you have to do is remain faithful, to, to trust in God, to give Him a chance, to draw near to community. And, and I hope that today, that, that, that what I said earlier, that Christmas reminds me of God's faithfulness, I pray that that would be something that you're reminded in of this season. Go back to that moment where God first met you. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas, a good weekend, and a great rest of the week.